before we start the show this week, I want to tell you about a legendary new podcast coming out called Marvels, based on the infamous graphic novel by Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross. It's a gritty, dramatic story that follows a photographer, student, and journalist on their mission to investigate one of the most superpowered conspiracy theories of all time. Set in New York City, the show does an incredible job of immersing you in a real-world Marvel universe and the lives of the people who inhabit it. I mean, the trailer for this is incredible. If you go over to marvelspodcast.com and check out all the information they have there, I think you'll be hooked on this. And if you decide you want to give it a listen, just go over to stitcherpremium.com and sign up with the code COMIC. That's C-O-M-I-C. You'll get a free month trial of Stitcher Premium, which will let you listen to Marvels right now. That's stitcherpremium.com with the promo code COMIC. This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Rappin, with two just fantastic human beings, Tia Vasilio. Hello. And Nick White. Hey. Thank you both for joining me this week. I'm very excited to talk about comic books. I'm very excited to ask the question I ask every single week. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Tia. I'm good. I finally finished my year of insane con going. (laughs) And I think I'm mostly over the jet lag and uh, general staying up all night. So I've actually been able to read some comics and recover from this whole ordeal. I don't think I'm going to do that again next year. (laughs) Yeah. How many how many actual cons did you end up going to in 2019? Uh, Let's see. Emerald City, C2E2 tcaf san diego new york and thought bubble good gracious i know (laughs) like makes me tired just thinking about (laughs) that and i was at two of those conventions (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately those were the back-to-back ones yeah exactly oh god anyway um comics are good and uh don't fucking pirate them psa yes that's the thing that's happening on Twitter right now. I just thought I would throw that out there before we get started. Um, if you want comics to continue being good, pay for them. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, along those lines, I recently purchased a book that I have read before for free because that's my job. I originally read this book in French, but Ooh. Boom is releasing Heartbeat by Maria her Spanish name is going to get me. I don't, it's the two L, so I don't know if it's Yavit or if you Might say be. the L. We should look into this for our uh, database. Agreed. She works a lot with Brian Azzarello, too, on um, creator-owned books. So, you know, you might have seen her work. It's very erotic and sexy and beautiful. The, um, the line work is really dynamic and sort of... Um, Sketchy isn't the right word for it because it's really well put together, but it's very, um, di- like the dynamism, when I say dy- dynamic, like there's a lot of movement to her line work. And um, you, there's like a pretty uh, evident manga influence in her work, but it isn't it isn't manga style. It's definitely like her own style. I would compare her to maybe... Tula Lote or Joelle Jones, um, in yeah, terms of like everyone, like everyone in her book is hot, you know, but like beautiful. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah. 
And I know I've actually talked about Heartbeat before when I read it in French and I was like, everyone needs to read this even if you can't read French because like the, the story is so good and the, the art is so good that you still get the story even if you can't understand the like the, the dialogue necessarily. Um, and I'm really actually excited to read it in English and then compare it to the French, which the French is also a translation. I think it was originally published in Spanish. But mm. um, basically, the story is about a girl who, um, you know, her mom is kind of a mess and they don't have a lot of money. And uh, one of the families that her mom is a maid for uh, like somehow arranged to um, help this girl go to the fancy prep school that their kids go to. Uh, but everyone at the school is like an asshole to her and bullies her, mm-hmm. you know, and she's kind of an outsider. And then um, in the first issue, she, I hesitate to use the word meets, she encounters this guy at the school um, holding the dead and bloodied body of one of her classmates uh that, um, what yeah <laughs> that's that's a bit of a <laughs> that's a bit of a jump it's one of the perils of public schools guys Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she's really obsessed with death and like i mean she's just she's very miserable right mm-hmm. with her life and she's very intrigued by this guy and she in later issues, because I've read it, I'll explain without spoiling, like she does get more involved with, with him. And a lot of the artwork, and you might have seen some of the preview art, um, like it's implied that he drinks the blood. So, okay. yeah, like I don't know how to really describe it. It's like Twilight, but really really sexy and violent and also like there's a twist to the whole drinking the blood thing sure i i mean i was gonna ask how do you get sexier than twilight but um if you say it's possible <laughs> oh michael <laughs> still this oh, this looks beautiful I've, is, I've seen some preview pages of this i absolutely love this book i have been standing this book you know in other languages and so shout out to boom for bringing it to us in english and i'm like really bummed that they're doing it by um issue instead of as a trade because when i initially read it it was as a trade and i was like Mm -hmm. you know because i really want to talk to people about the twist and i don't want to spoil it for them so it's it's very the struggle is real so what you're saying is that we have no excuse now but to read this book because now it's in english do it for me That is 2020's goal. Everyone's going to read Heartbeat. That's what I'm saying. That'll be my <laughs> contribution to the reading challenge. I love it. That's how, that sounds perfect because I want to talk about a book that's part of the Goodreads group tonight or today too. So, But before I get to that, Nick, let's move on to you. How have you been? How have comic books been? Tell us something. Oh, uh, good. I'm good. I'm tired. Uh, the last day or two have been pretty jam-packed as it's been sort of a full court press Um that's that's sports talk for um uh a lot of work just trying to get some applications done and um and then yesterday attending uh my dad's uh mandolin concert he's in a mandolin orchestra um if you really don't cool. know what that sounds like it's like um imagine one mandolin and then imagine that there's um more of them uh <laughs> That's it. You know, I actually am really into um, Joseph Van Wissom, I think is how you say his name. He oh, did I the- wouldn't know. You can probably tell that I'm already not 
steeped in this world. <laughs> anyway, your dad is cool. Yes, Nick, your dad is cool. <laughs> I know I'm a terrible son. Um <laughs> He did the music so, for Only Lovers Left Alive. Mm-hmm. Nick! <laughs> What's that? Oh, my God. Never mind. It's a it's a uh, vampire movie. Um, oh, fuck. What's that? Uh, J- Jim Jarmusch. It's a Jim Jarmusch vampire movie. Oh, this is the driver one, isn't it? No, no. It's the one where Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston play, like, sexy vampires with ennui. <laughs> Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> Sorry. See, uh, you're you're digging too deep into the culture hole. You've lost me a long Mandolins. time ago. <laughs> Mandolins. Mandolins, yes. So, um uh that's 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 been going on. Um I have managed to get some reading done and in addition to what Tia said earlier, of course, pay for your books. If you can't pay for your books, go to your local library and you'll find something absolutely weird on the shelf. Um, I think in the past I've talked about how um, Spring Lakes Library is kind of guilty of basically in the uh, quote-unquote adult graphic novel section, uh, it's just basically quote-unquote the hits as it goes. Like Mm -hmm. there's Watchmen, there's Mouse, there's what is it, Fun Home? But beyond that, it doesn't really move beyond the ones that have won lots of awards, which not to knock award granting places whatever um but i did find a rather weird book there last time i was in there called the ballad of halo jones um this was written by alan moore and drawn by ian gibson uh with colors by barbara nocenzo um but the colors were done uh after the fact for the collection because it was originally published for 2000 uh 2000 ad in 1984 so it actually kind of i'm pretty sure that predates pretty much all of moore's big hits as as they go um i'd never heard of this before when i asked paul about it this was something that was completely foreign to him too so um i don't know neil gaiman said it's great but he'll he'll pretty much vouch for like i mean i'm pretty sure i've gotten a neil gaiman pull quote on something i've written at one point like one of my (laughs) high school essays i just called up neil and i was like what do you think about Edgar Allan Poe, The Telltale Heart. He's like, I'll, your essay's perfect. I'll, I'll send you a quote. Um, perfect. So anyway, Nick White calling out Neil Gaiman for being a shill. There we go. Um, <laughs> uh, this, this, is, this is from Alan Moore's introduction to the book. I loved this so much that I just have to read this. Um, this is when it was collected two years after it came out. Um, he wrote, there were those readers who complained very little happened in the strip. Uh, personally, I think what they actually meant was that very little violence happened in the strip. Uh, but then it was their 24p a week, and they have every right to be bored if they damn well want to be. For those not aware, 24p is like cents in yeah. in, in pounds. Um, so yeah, I I really liked that. This this book is, is science fiction. It follows this uh, woman named Halo Jones, and it kind of it basically is that. Um, we've seen this narrative structure recently of just someone living a very normal everyday or just trying to live a very normal everyday life while living amidst this like big epic galactic structure going on around them. Right. Um, we've, we've kind of seen things like um, hitchhiker's guide kind of riff on this as well. But, but this was actually, I think hitchhiker would have been around the same time. So anyway, um, 
it's it's very Alan Moore, and I think that's kind of a warning. It drops you in in media res. It's a very realized world of Moore's. It's got it's just littered with lingo and jargon. Mm-hmm. He invented a language for it. It's Alan Moore. What do you expect? All of this is going to happen, right? Um, but he's very much trying to ground the character in just everyday life. Halo does a lot of things that you and I would do. You go out on a Saturday night to watch your friend's band play. You go shopping, except that when you live in the hoop, which is where they live, uh, even shopping is is a struggle and dangerous, and going out into the streets can be kind of a a dangerous thing to do, which is why they're called shopping expeditions. Um Oh brother, <laughs> it's, taking it's, like the idea of like mask capitalism or consumerism in the eighties and making it into like an Indiana Jones style adventure. That's what I'm hearing, <laughs> right? And so you, you you don't go um you don't go out unarmed. You got to bring your Zen aids, which uh, explode and then turn the target into a state of euphoric bliss from which they can't like come out of. Or uh, you bring your Sput stick, which seems like the Minority Report six stick. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know. Philip K. Dick. I don't know who needs to be going after who, although Philip's dead, so he's not going to go after Alan Moore. Maybe Alan Moore can, like, curse his ghost. I don't know. Alan Moore wants to be dead. It's fine, Nick. It's really bold of you, Nick, to assume that ghosts don't go after anybody. Like, what (laughs) horror movies are you watching? Especially in the UK, Nick. Come on. I'm a ghost. I guess that's just it for me. Um... But, uh, yeah, I mean, you have to go out shopping because how else are you going to get your hands on? Um, well, their shopping list was a ghost toast, Krisky's, a plas bulb of ulcerism, and a drum of nullcept, or as I yeah. call it, Alan, Mo- Alan Moore's Postmates order um, of street drugs. Yeah, yeah, that's what that sounds like. <laughs> so, really weird, but I like it so far. It's kind of odd to have 2080 strips kind of collected because they're all very short. Um, and the trade by that reason is also very short. So, um, but I enjoyed it. Um, I've got the other volumes at home, so we'll see how it goes. I, it's, it's fine. It's fine. For me, it's fine. Alan Moore for me is always great. I realize some people love to put him on the pedestal and other people love to set the pedestal on fire. Um, assuming it's flammable, I suppose. Uh, for me, Alan Moore is good, you know, B, B plus, whatever. Um, Briefly, I just wanted to just Briefly. say I also read Motor Crush Volume 1, Brendan Fletcher, Cameron Stewart writing, yes. Babs Tar on art. I know, Finally. Nick White, it's not, don't, don't, don't check, don't adjust your dials, folks. It is 2019. I am getting around to it now. Um, I, I just want to say, really enjoyed this book. Uh, if you somehow are allergic to the color pink, don't pick this up. Uh, because boy, howdy. Uh, and also get help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, you know, I, I, I do want to say uh, the one thing I thoroughly enjoyed about this book is as I'm reading like these World Grand Prix in-world captions, all of the different graphics for the broadcasts and, and the different drivers and the race and like the projections, it looks straight out of like an actual like F1 race or a, a video game. And I was like, oh man, these are just perfect and they're so sharp and sure enough it was designed by tom muller if you don't know who muller is he did the cover art and the cover dress for bloodshot salvation um he created the x and the new logos for hox pox those are all his work those kind of diamondy x's cool um yeah he did the cover designs for drifter where it's got kind of those ben day dot design setup Mm -hmm. like design is the new coloring people like 
if 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 the complaint of the last couple of years was like coloring isn't getting enough credit and it needs to get more credit, uh, design for me is like right there. Like that's... letterers have entered the chat. Yeah, yeah, letterers, flatterers have entered the chat as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna get the other communities coming after me for sure. But yeah. like, design needs more respect. Yeah, I no, think you're right. design is crucial. I feel like a, a lot of the books I read credit their designers and hype them mm-hmm. on Twitter and stuff like that. So you know, it's like it's getting there. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, other, yeah, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed the book. It's it's a mystery of why why is a human being drinking an illegal fluid meant for cars? That's basically <laughs> the mystery of this book. Why is a human being drinking NOS? And not the yeah. energy drink, although it's also a valid question to ask, why are human beings drinking the energy drink? <laughs> right, right, right. That's also Michael, true. Michael, could you please speak for your people? Uh, Mike's yeah, like, so is this an attack? Let me, uh, let's move on. Let me talk about books that I, no. So, um, actually, you know, I have, I, I will say, I have actually not had an energy drink in probably seven or eight months um because i went to the doctor and he said you better you better stop and i said went to the doctor yeah doctor said (laughs) he said you better stop and i was like yeah right and he's like no but really and i said okay cool all right cool and so i have (laughs) it so i grabbed my skateboard and flew out of there (laughs) like yeah i definitely held like a moment of like doctors don't know anything they're talking about and then he showed me like a chart and i said you maybe know what you're talking about. So um, I actually haven't had an energy drink in a while. Um, so for me, uh, I, I actually been reading a handful of comics. Um, I did read Rye number one really quick. Uh, Juan Jose Rip's uh, art just makes me sick with glee. Like it just, it was more than what I expected. And the story was fantastic. Um, I'm really excited for, to hear what Nick has to say when he can, when he finally picks this up at the library or something. Um, because holy smokes, it's it's rye to the extreme, and I really enjoyed that. Um, I, I something happened, I guess you know, recently this fallen world thing that I haven't read yet. <laughs> so I probably, I think I should go back and read those issues. Um, but it, regardless, this first issue was fantastic. But the book I do want to talk about really quick um, is Arab of the Future: uh, A Childhood in the Middle East, 1978 to 1984, a graphic memoir. The title is a mouthful, but it is a wonderful book. I, I'm still reading it. Uh, this is by Riyad Satouf. It's a book about a basically this guy's life as he grew up as a French Syrian child who moved to Libya, then to Syria, then back to France. And it's the story of him dealing essentially with dictators from a child's perspective. And not that he himself is dealing with it, but he's basically seeing all the adults in the world around him change as these various, as him and his family move around the world and they have to live in the politics of the time. So the the book opens with him and his family moving from France to Libya right as Gaddafi is taking over and how some of the people in Li- Libya really really loved Gaddafi and for many many years did um because of the way that he changed their state with a essentially a non-violent coup. Um and again this is about as far as I've gotten in the book it's like the first chapter or two um but I really really enjoyed this and I'm kind of kicking myself for having started reading it like super late last night because I really couldn't put it down but then suddenly it was 2 in the morning and I was like I need to go to sleep. So I'm looking forward to finishing this book tonight after the show and talking about it on Goodreads because it is the Goodreads book of the month for our Goodreads group. And if you haven't had a chance to jump in on that, you totally should because it's a fantastic place to go and talk about comics. But like this book is fucking incredible. So I really highly suggest this to people because boy, oh boy, it was 
it, just the first chapter and a half like really struck me. And I think if you like nonfiction comics, because that was the theme this month, um, what we the, a lot of the books that we picked were really really good. And I was bummed that they didn't like the book that I suggested didn't get picked. But man, I'm so glad this one won because it's incredible. Uh, nonfiction comics are fucking amazing. Um, so I don't know. Really go read this one. But let's let's move on. Let's talk about comics that are coming out in the upcoming week. Comic books are dropping on November 27th, 2019. What are you guys talking about? Nick, I'm throwing it back to you. Sure. Uh, so for me, it's going to be Witchfind. Witch, I'll try that again. So for me, it's going to be Witchfinder Omnibus Volume 1. For those unaware, this is a book within the Mignola-verse. As I've as I've coined it, um, it's written by Mike Mignola and John Arcudi, and it's drawn by Ben Stenbeck, Tyler Crook, John Severin, uh, who's actually the late brother of Marie Severin, uh, and colors, of course, are done by Dave Stewart. I've I've read probably about half of the book's content before. Uh, for me, it's actually one of my more favorite books within the uh, Mignola verse, honestly. It's it's kind of got a little bit of everything. For me, all of the Mignola books are basically delivering horror, but it's kind of horror with a slapdash of something extra. So if you want a teen book, it's BPRD. If you want a mopey, sad sack, emo, amphibian, it's Abe Sapien. If you want a war book, it's Sledgehammer 44. Uh, but if you want kind of a Victorian-era mystery, uh, then Witchfinder would be an excellent book to go with. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh Ben Stenbeck has pretty much drawn everything for Mignola from Baltimore to Lobster Johnson to Frankenstein Underground and this too. I think, honestly, Mike Mignola has a misery-esque sort of situation going and Ben Stenbeck is chained to a desk somewhere in like the woods of Maine uh, where he's forced to draw comic books for Mike Mignola. Oh, jeez. That's, <laughs> that's just my, that's my understanding because when you look at his comic book DB page, it's like, when do you have a free second? I I don't know. Um, R.I.P. Comic Book TV. Yeah, it, that's. I'm. Thank you. I'm glad someone else went there because that's where I was gonna go. Uh, I I love that website. Uh, my life will be a, a mess on December 16th because of that. So uh, who knows what's gonna happen from that? But if yeah, if if you like Hellboy, but you want a Victorian era flavored mystery take on Hellboy. Um, this would be an excellent book. And the other thing I really love about it is that the ways in which they weave um, Witchfinder in and out of the other Hellboy books, especially because hmm. it takes place so much earlier, the ways in which they've creatively wove it in and out um, has has been fantastic. So definitely check this book out. Very cool. What about you, Tia? What are you excited for this week? Well, if I'm not mistaken, Curse Words is ending. <gasps> My heart. It's I know. broken. This is um, If You Live Under a Rock, art by Ryan Brown and written by Charles Soule. <laughs> no, you have to read it like you put it in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not like we're friends or anything. I don't I don't like know the man personally. I did interview him once, I guess, but that's mm-hmm. not even near nearly the same thing. I don't think I don't know if he goes by Chucky Soul, but in my heart, he's Chucky Soul. Oh, I see. I see. That, well, that's what you have in the notes. I just was, uh, you know, I wanted you to say it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, no, I actually, I interviewed him at New York Comic Con when it was going to be announced or it was just coming out and they were having like mm-hmm. a wizard party at the image party where everyone was going to wear a beard. <laughs> yep, that sounds right. Yeah. Oh, oh, memories. Anyway, now it's ending. 
And I'm not caught up at all. So I am going to take this opportunity to get caught up because I was actually thinking recently how much Wizard reminds me of Michael from The Good Place. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I really like that comparison a lot. Right. And so, and The Good Place is also ending um, because, like, everything you love dies. So, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) yeah, I feel like, you know, it's a good time to catch up and and see how they wrap up that book because I really loved it when I like you know it's I know that it's better to buy floppies but I really do prefer trades I were like waiting till I like reading full series I or mm-hmm. like completed things just mm-hmm. yeah so yeah I I'm a couple issues behind on this too I think maybe five or six so more than a couple but um yeah that's that's i didn't know that this book was any again this is the problem when you don't study previews like it's your job anymore um is you kind of find these things out really suddenly and yeah i mean regardless i think like having a definite end for this book though will actually be good because i have a feeling that ryan brown and and charles soul aren't just like ending this abruptly i'm guessing that it's coming to a natural conclusion so yeah and i think um, it's like number 44 or 45 like it was a that's that's a solid quite a run run. yeah yeah that's um yeah yowza uh well i I guess i mean i'm looking forward to that too i guess i didn't even realize uh for some reason it's not on my pull list on league of comic geeks i'm i'm gonna have a word with the internet after this but uh, Here's a <laughs> let, me, let me talk about the book that i'm excited for this week really my pick is actually x-force number two but i'm not going to spoil anything so let me talk about a book that i'm excited about because i love having my heart broken as well and this is john constantine the hellblazer number one by Cy Spurrier, Aaron Campbell on art. Um, I, I'm tempted by this book. Like, I really want to buy this. But DC's gone through so many fast iterations of John Constantine, oh, and they God. really don't know what they're doing. Like, you can hear Nick groaning in the background for the right reason, because I think in the last five or six years, we've had four different Constantine books by various names, like Constantine, Constantine the Hellblazer, John Constantine, the Hellblazer, John Constantine, Electric Boogaloo, you know, like, they just, they don't know what they're doing, and I really love the run that was by Ming Doyle and James Tinian with Riley Rossmo and Art, like, that book, I still champion to this day, because it's a wonderful, wonderful story about John Constantine coming to terms with himself, about him, his, like, ability to love, and I, I, I really, really enjoyed that. And then the follow-up series was just like back to basics. John Constantine has to deal with the weird side of DC Comics. And everyone's like, John Constantine, you're such a rebel. And he's like, you know, mate. And he lights a cigarette. I don't smoke anymore. And it turns out it's like a candy cane. I don't know. Like, that's the way that DC was pitching that character afterwards. And it was kind of a bummer. So hopefully with Cy Spurrier at the helm, this book will be worthwhile i don't know i'm gonna try picking up the first one i like Cy Spurrier as a writer writer i know he hasn't doesn't have a perfect track record but i've enjoyed a lot of the stuff that he's done in the past so um it'll be interesting to see someone like him take on this book because i feel like he still he has that vibe that you get from a lot of british writers who take on weird characters like john constantine i think he's done similar things like that so um fingers crossed i guess I, i'm gonna try this i don't know Aaron Campbell's a really underrated artist, too, so it'd yeah. be nice to see him on the book. I really Definitely. like this work on Uncanny. Yeah, that's, th- yes, exactly. I, um, yeah, I'm very excited for that reason as well. So we'll see how things go. But we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about, it's, it's a strange topic. I'll just say that. Um, I'm not even going to tell you what it is. We're, we're just going to take a break, and you're going to have to find out. 
before we get back to the show, I have to tell you about this new podcast that Marvel just dropped all about the Fantastic Four. And it's based on the infamous series Marvels by Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross. It's by the same people who created the excellent Wolverine podcast, and it goes into the story all about the Fantastic Four's first encounter with Galactus and his herald, the Mighty Silver Surfer. I've checked this out, i listened to an episode or two, and the trailer, if you just go listen to the trailer, I think you'll understand that this show is amazing. I was going to say fantastic, but you know, I can't throw that many puns at you. So if you want to learn more about Marvels, go over to marvelspodcast.com. And if you're interested in listening to the actual podcast, head over to stitcherpremium.com and sign up with the code COMIC, C-O-M-I-C. You'll get a free month trial of Stitcher Premium, which will let you listen to Marvels right now. That's stitcherpremium.com with the promo code COMIC. our show this week our topic is a little strange well I'm, i don't know why i think it's strange but for some reason asking someone who's your favorite comic book creator is a little odd but i think that i have two people on the show this week that i can easily ask that question because i know that they have answers so with the actual topic itself being first exposure what was your first comic you read by your favorite creator or creative team and how do you see that series now i have a bunch of follow-up questions to that but uh, I think we maybe know some of the answers to these. Tia's, I think we all know, but <laughs> Nick, I want to hear from you first about like, what's your favorite comic or what's the first comic that you've read from your favorite creative team? What, what What's on your list? Yeah, well, I, I just want to say up front, like, I want to thank Mike for, for posing like an awful, like for, for, in, for an indecisive person. This is just a, <laughs> this is torture. Yeah, okay. yeah. Because uh, it's 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 not only is it like well who's your favorite which of course like don't get me started that's terrible don't make people choose but then it's like hey can you remember the first comic you read by that person so then it turns into this like how how good is your memory because yeah yeah like it's uh, I feel like basically this is this this test this question should be on an ARP memory exam more or less um, Nick by episode three hundred I plan to break you I just want you to know that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so what's what's funny is at, I, uh, I I started reading Animal Man because I was thinking, well, that's the first book I've read by Jeff Lemire. And uh, maybe about an issue in, I thought a little bit deeper and then I was like, shit, that's wrong. Um, <laughs> the first Lemire book I ever read was actually Kid Eternity number one. Um, which was a one shot that he did for DC um, with Cully Hamner on art and um, full credit to Xander because Xander is actually the person who, who got this for me. He was at Tardy's and he said, can I grab some comics for you? And I said, just pick some things out. And so he basically did a grab bag of, of books and it was Kid Eternity. And it was also um, the French comic 13 number one. And that's also become one of my favorites. Um, but uh it was it was a weird book because i remember um so dc owns this national comics imprint and they did this mm-hmm. series of one shots kid eternity being one of them um others being uh looker madamax rose and thorn uh and the idea was that they were going to use these one shots to um have them as entry points to inject new characters into the new 52 which sounds great except sure. i don't think any of these characters saw the light of day after their one shot 
I was going to say, so, none of these names sound familiar to me. That's right. That's right. Uh, I, we never saw any of them again, which which was a tragedy because I really in, enjoyed Kid Eternity, and it was this is a, this is interesting as well. Was um, Lemire reviving um, a Morrison character? So I suppose it's appropriate. Appropriately, it's appropriate enough that the book I ended up reading was Animal Man, which is once again Jeff Lemire reviving a Grant Morrison character. <laughs> Right, uh, again, right. let me be clear. I know that Grant Morrison did not create the character, but Lemire was building on a lot of um, the a lot of the character that Morrison had built up specifically. Um, so it, yeah. it was it was interesting to return to that book. Um, it was basically me having a lot of oh, I totally forgot that this happens in this book moments, which is, again, not really reassuring for someone's memory. Uh, when I was done with this, I immediately downloaded the Lumosity app because, like, I, I don't have much more to lose at this point. Like, uh, right, right. I got to get, I got to master tile matching and, and things like that. Um, well, given the number of comics and, and stories and, you know, just massive numbers of words that we take in, it's not really something you can expect to do. You know, you can't really expect to remember every single thing that you read, you know, five plus years ago. I think that's okay. It's fine. Yeah, that's what a fake fan would say, Michael. So I'm glad that, I'm glad <laughs> right, that someone's... Right. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, everybody. I, I know. I get you. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, uh, just to, really quick, I mean, Tia, let's, let's jump over to you. I mean... Because, Nick, it sounds to me like Animal Man was really the book that kind of set you on the path of, let's just keep reading Jeff Lemire books until the day that I die. Whereas, Tia, like, what was the book that really got you into your your creative team love? Well, I read Journey in a Mystery, which got me hooked on Kieran's writing. Mm-hmm. And then because, uh, like, Young Avengers is sort of the next logical book to read and the the like Loki story from there that's what introduced me to Jamie and then I realized that they were like comics married and had a other work together like phonogram mm-hmm. and also phonogram was like all the things for me um right. you know like all the music that I liked and like weird magic stuff and like just kind of an enigmatic story and I was just like Oh yes, my people! I have found you, and you. And since then, you were just hooked, right? I mean, is there is there a Gillen book that you haven't tried yet, or a Jamie and Kieran book? I think after after all the phonogram stuff, they just did Wicked and Divine for five years straight. <laughs> so much. I don't think there was really anything else to try by the both of them. Jamie, I think, has done some other Marvel work that I haven't read. I want to say it's mm-hmm. X Men of some kind, perhaps. Um, Could be. I forget. And and I also did not read Kieran's Iron Man. I just don't care about Iron Man. And hot takes, hot takes. <laughs> Kieran, did you hear that? I mean Kevin Feige is on a helicopter right now coming to you. <laughs> if Kieran couldn't make me and I even bought all of them. I remember like this was back when I was just like new to comics and I would go on Comixology and this was I think also during in-app purchases and I and it they were like hey do you want to buy every issue of this run of Iron Man and I was like yep sure lay it on me and mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. literally just like you know be laying in bed at three o'clock in the morning being like add 50 books to cart why not <laughs> and, like, 
And I mean, I've been there. I remember those days. They were not good days for my wallet. <laughs> and I don't even think I read all of them because I was just like, oh, Iron Man. Yeah, you're you. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And I also did like I've read some Uber, but it's just like not my genre. It's it's war porn to a certain extent. I get that. But um, as a team, I've read all their stuff. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it's it's interesting. So I guess like that you do bring up an interesting point here, Tia, that like, yes, you may have like a creator that you go to for anything. You'll maybe try one issue of something that they do, even if it's not your bag, such as an Iron Man. Um, Nick, I'm curious to know, you know, do you have that with Jeff? I, I, we can get to whatever my pick is because I had the same level of indecision. And I realized that the creator that I always try the number ones for is Ed Brubaker. And mostly because I read Sleepless when I was really first getting into comics beyond just big two stuff. And I read Sleepless, or Sleeper, which is uh, the crime noir superhero story that was published by Wildstorm. So it's technically it was like a DC book before it was fully DC. I don't know. But I got into that, and ever since then, I've tried every single Brubaker and Phillips book that's come out. Um, and I should say, I've read or owned them all in some capacity, because they're like my my Kieran and, and Jamie, to a certain extent, where it's just like, oh, they're having, they have a book coming out, that's that's what I'm buying. But this go, going back to my original question, um, just to get my answer out of the way, uh, is there a book that you know, you've you've picked up by or you haven't picked up by Lemire even though you're like I really want to read everything that this guy does um but you just weren't turned on to it for some reason oh yeah I mean absolutely he 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 definitely has a clunker and it's <laughs> it's name is uh Justice League United <laughs> oh okay what did <laughs> yeah. work for you in that book oh man um I, I I think a lot of it to be fair was uh DC editorial um dc editorial was not great during the new 52 but um Mm -hmm. i think it was even like even worse towards the beginning and um this this was a few years in and and the whole conceit of the book was supposed to be that it was going to be justice league but much like jeff lemire it was going to be canadian flavored um and that it was also going to go into space and yeah those two don't really seem mutual considering one's extraterrestrial and the other's not um but it was jeff lemire and i thought i was gonna have my maple syrup and eat it too or something else that's canadian i guess poutine um (laughs) and uh something happened there was some some shit went down in editorial and editorial was like no this shit's going to space and space alone and so uh the canada stuff which was which really sucked because he created a new um, a new character. Um, her name was Equinox, and uh, she was a Native American character. Although I think in Canada, Canada, don't they say Native peoples? Um, anyway, uh, yeah. And so I love that how you couldn't good. even say Canada, much less the right term for the Indigenous people of Canada. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, Listen, people in Michigan have a real hard time talking about Canada because it's sure. like talking about a cousin <laughs> right. that like lived at your house for a long time. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and uh, so that was going to be awesome. And they created they he, he created this new character and he did a lot of um, focus testing with the character with um, with uh, individuals 
up in Canada and it was going to be awesome and then and and then they were like no just space and uh, it just uh, it, it wasn't enjoyable um, there were some major art issues on that book they were just it was just rotating through artist after artist after artist and um, I mean Jeff Lemire is kind of one of those writers who at this point is sort of like he has as I've talked about before for better or for worse he has like seven people in his Rolodex and that's it and um, so normally when he does a project it's one of those seven people mm-hmm. and you could tell that like DC editorial control was like we're putting out this book like every month no delays and so we had books where there were two artists sharing the book and it was very not Lemire Hmm. It was bad. I think I'm I'm having flashbacks right now. Did you pick up that whole run or something? I mean, it sounds like... Of course. (laughs) I got to support Jeffy through the tough times. I see. I see. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) But I guess... So, uh, so, you know, with... uh, Holy smokes. Let me just start my whole brain over. That's fine. So, the question that I guess I want to get to next is, you know, what keeps you coming back to these creators? Because I know, for instance, like for me, with Brubaker and Phillips, they're my go-to because I know with their comics, I know exactly what I'm getting, which is going to be some sort of crime spy story. And for for some reason, I feel like a, you know, 55-year-old man who sits in his lazy boy, smokes a cigar, (laughs) and has a thing of whiskey. (laughs) Instead of reading Tom Clancy, I'm reading something by Brubaker and Phillips and it's some sort of crime noir story over and over and it's consistent and interesting every single time even if something like criminal is always about like the same nine characters trying to rob the same banks and getting shot a hundred times over um, I find those books really interesting and something really fun and easy to come back to um i know that like with every book that they've done like incognito or sleeper for instance you get like this twist on something that you kind of already understand so for incognito for those of you who maybe didn't read it it's another superhero kind of noir story but the superheroics are a bit more in like explosion explosive and like world ending compared to something like sleeper where there's like a conspiracy on top of a like uh, like a James Bond style thing where someone's infiltrating a company and it, are they like working for both sides or are they just working for themselves there's all these questions around it and that's what makes the the book really interesting um, I, I I don't know if you guys have that like you know that there's a consistent thing about these creators that you know you're going to get out of their books even when there are clunkers like Nick for instance you were saying with Justice League United um, you knew like the really cool twist on this book was that Lemire was doing all this stuff in Canada and stuff and that's what drew you to the book but is there something about these creators that always bring you to their books or you hope to get out of their books whenever you read them and I realize I'm asking a very long question but uh, that's kind of the simplified version so Tia what's your what's your thoughts on this well I feel like in terms of just like thematic interests and cultural references and interests um, just like as a general aesthetic and uh, I, they're a creative team that probably has the same sort of DNA as me. Like the things that I want to read about, the questions that I'm interested in exploring and the stories that I'm interested in, like they're they're also interested in them and they're making them, you know? So it's like I pretty much can trust that it'll be a 
anything that I pay, I mean, I guess they're like with the work for hire, like sometimes, you know, it is what it is. Like I'm never going to really be that interested in Iron Man, but, um, <laughs> you know, like on the whole, it's just sort of like people who are speaking my language. Right. I guess right. even with something like, it. yeah, even with something like Young Avengers, for instance, like there was still, I think there was a lot more freedom in that book. I mean, saying, you know, have given that I've read it, um, well, like yeah, for them to try they, a bunch of stuff and add references where they wanted. Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, they've said that they approached that book as though it were creator-owned. Yeah, I think that definitely comes through, um, especially in the end of that book. <laughs> the, people think it got canceled. It didn't. That was their plan. I love that because it, it, it does feel like it got canceled and that they got to kind of go out on a middle finger, kind of like, uh, what was it, the Angela book that came out? Oh, God, but <laughs> except that was a tire, f- like that did not stick its landing, the Angela book. Right, st- totally, totally. I mean, but like even then, if if Young Avengers was quote unquote canceled, like they went out on a really good note and uh, the fact that they didn't is actually awesome because it feels like a cancellation, but it was actually like a true ending. Um it's like the best of both worlds, I guess, for Marvel and the fans. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, what about you, Nick? What, what what drives you back to Jeff Lemire's books over and over? Uh, the unrelenting melancholy. <laughs> <laughs> could you could you elaborate, please? Just just sad boys being sad boys, basically. Um, sure, sure. I, and I think that's probably why it was so hard to pick between um, Jeff Lemire and and Matt Kent. Because, uh, like, when their powers unite, I am Captain Sadness. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. It's uh, just people being, you know, depressed all the time. Um, I mean, all joking aside, obviously, I think uh, both Lemire and Kent have sort of figured out how to... I mean, their books are very... Uh, feelings-oriented, I guess, is is another way of putting it. you know, you you feel for these characters, whether it's whether it's Sweet Tooth or um, Essex County, which uh, like Essex County is a book like you need to cut with another book because it's just too strong. Like you need to dilute it, right? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. uh, I think that the, the you know the sadness and the hockey and and the maple syrup and everything just gets to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But uh you know what's what's interesting is that um like in in terms of Animal Man boy um that book was so much wordier than I remember it being and again I think some of that was like some of that was obviously I think Jeff growing as a writer and I think some of it was DC editorial control being like we need more of an internal monologue and and a much longer one um and in in some ways I kind of wonder if if like my memory is kind of pulling a, a Rambo or a Terminator effect where you like the second volume or the third volume in a series gets so popular or whatever that you sort of tend to forget that things happened in the first one that maybe mm-hmm. didn't quite um, jive with the other ones, if that makes sense. Sure. So you just kind of like, because people, people just forget Rambo is a first blood is a totally different movie than the rest of the series. And in some ways I think that's maybe what happened with me and in animal man. Um, I just want to say before anyone uh, like loses their shit, like, yes, I realize Lemire Sorrentino hasn't been brought up until this very moment. Obviously, I love Andrea Sorrentino very much. I just was a little hesitant to bring that up because I didn't really follow them when they were over at Marvel. Um, I mean, I can speak to the first book I read of theirs, which was Green Arrow, 
Mm-hmm. Um, Sorrentino had previously done I Vampire, but that was with Joshua Hale Fialkov. So that was his previous DC work. Um, and I think looking back on that, even because I, I reread it last year, for example, um, it really just goes to show you sometimes how different and, and transformed one's pencils can be when you you switch from a really like long time coloring partner to a different color colorist because mm. because they worked with marcelo mayolo when they were in dc and i think he even followed them over to marvel for old man logan but then gideon falls is is dave uh dave stewart and it i mean i it almost took me a while i don't know about you just to adjust to sorrentino's pencils in gideon falls because they seemed much more i don't know like you could physically see all of the 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 pen strokes much easier. Yeah. I think Stewart kind of was putting flat colors on it, and Mayolo was sort of just kind of coloring over it and sometimes covering it up. So, um, yeah, I mean, and I think that might be more of a big two choice versus in, in the independent oh, I think book so choice, too. which yeah. is interesting. You know, I think we what you're saying here is that in 2020 we've got to get you reading Old Man Logan so you can complete this this journey between Lemire and Sorrentino <sighs> as they bounced around before Gideon Falls. I mean, I think that's like eight trades or something of <sighs> Old Man Logan. We've got to get you into. I don't, so. <laughs> let's let's just upset another community here, and I'll just say it. Like, I don't I don't want to read a Wolverine book. Listen, Nick. I'm sorry, guys. You need to stop being so close-minded. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, we're going to get Tia to read these Iron Man comics. I You're going to be reading Old Man it. Logan. And eventually, everyone's going to be on the X-Men train. That's what I'm uh, aiming for. I was so, going to say, there's a big picture here, of course. Yeah. There is. So let me, let me ask you guys another question here. Um, so have you been able to get other people into these like original series that got you really hooked on these creative teams or this like a specific creator? Like, do you look back at this book that really got you into a specific creator and said, Hey, I'm going to give this to you. And I think that with this book, it's going to, you know, convince you that this is the team that you should read. Um, have, have you guys approached anything like that before? I mean, I think that Gillen and McKelvey are doing fine. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, not for the sake of like helping the the creators out, but just to like have another friend of yours maybe reading those books if they hadn't tried them before. I mean, I actually don't know anyone who's needed me to convince them to read Young Avengers. (laughs) (laughs) Can't lie. (laughs) True. Okay, I get that. I get that. Um. Well, Nick, here's the question: Are you have you read Wicked and Divine? Because I think we've got a book for you. (laughs) Oh man, like. That book is one of those books for me where I feel like there's so much, and, and hype is the wrong word, because when when people use hype, people think, well, maybe it's undeserved, right? Uh, there's so much praise for that book, and there's so much, uh, like, I feel like it's like a insurmountable tower, you know, of something that I'm, like, haven't even touched at all yet, right? And so, for me, it's like, I feel like I'm going to either A, have to climb all the way to the top of the tower and explore everything that's there, or just let it be, because that's, it's all or nothing, baby. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just pull quote, Nick White. start at one um, and keep reading. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly think, though, to Tia's point before about phonogram, I think that you might dig that, oh, given yeah. your music taste. I think that you would dig that book. Really. And also just its general pretentiousness is very up your alley. <laughs> I don't think that, that we're saying that you're pretentious. No, 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 no. No, that's no. fine. Go ahead. But I know that you tend to, like, 
I feel like Nick really likes a a complicated book or a, a an enigmatic book that doesn't give you everything. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I hear you there. Um, yeah, I actually, I really do think you would enjoy that book. And of course, now that we've suggested it multiple times, Nick will put it off for two to three years, then get back mm-hmm. to it. When but, you're um, ready, Nick, we'll do the mini-sode in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, in the next decade. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Nick, is has there have you been able to convince people to read more of like Lemire's work or you know uh, stuff just by handing over a, a volume? And I don't count because I will read anything if anyone's excited about it. So right. other than me, have you convinced That's someone really to true. read like Animal Man? Just Broad Horizons Forever, Mike Rappin. That's right. I mean, for the most uh, part, I don't see a yeah. re- see I no, don't see true. a reason to not read any comic if someone is excited about it, and then tell them whether or not you liked it because most comics. You can at least try. Anyway, but that's that's a whole other thing. Um, like uh, other Lemire works, yes, I think Animal Man has been really hard, and it's not. It's not because of the character. It's not because it's a DC comic. It's not because of the writing. It's that Travel Foreman's art is so fucking polarizing. Absolutely, it's, uh, yeah. It is really hard to sell people on that. Um, even even the people that are like, you know what, if the writing's good. And the art um, neither attracts nor repulses me. I'll read it. Like, even, like, those people are, like, even those people that are, like, passable art would be fine. They don't, they won't, they won't read this book. Um, Yeah, I mean, it can be a little off-putting. I will admit that it's definitely, like, wow, there's a lot of very small lines for things. Um, There's (laughs) so much body horror. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's, it's all, like nearing body horror in just some of the weird ways that he draws things especially in the moments where there are actual horror elements in the book i totally get that and and of course the problem is that he's so good at drawing that stuff and the converse is that his people don't always really like there can be glaringly weird things going on there but um totally i mean his other stuff yeah i think uh i think his green arrow run is still one of the most interesting, like, considering what was going on at in terms of the New 52 and in terms of DC editorial um, and this in terms of, like, uh, the house weird. style, right, that was going on. Um, it's, it's, it's such a great book in that sense because it really, you know... Uh, just kind of breaks the mold, I guess you could say. Um, and this is the Lemire Sorrentino, like volume four of the New Fifty Two that you're talking about. That's correct. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, I mean the the panel layouts are crazy. The color choices are just unbelievable. Um, it really felt like you were getting an image book at DC. Like mm-hmm. for me, that was kind of the vibe, which is, I mean, especially at that time, was super fucking rare. Gotcha. So. And have you been able to like pitch that to people and get them on board for Green Arrow? Because I mean, in general, to me, Green Arrow seems like a character that's hard to get into. Um, for as someone who's like not read a lot of DC yeah. comics, you know, um, have you been able to get other folks into that? Well, I think the TV show has obviously raised a certain level of visibility, sure, which has helped. Sure. Um, and then I think beyond that, people who have dipped their toes in Lemire kind of understand that he's very comfortable with taking B-level heroes, C-level heroes, um, and telling tales about them more so than Batman or Superman or characters like that. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of been his 
his niche. Gotcha. Um, so that's 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 kind of my take on that for sure. Um, whereas like Matt Kint is 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 a tricky one too because Matt Kint's art is also <laughs> pretty polarizing stuff, totally. and especially um, since a lot of his work is just him doing the writing and the art. Yeah, like Department H and and Mind Management and and the like, which is too bad because those are some of his most interesting works and certainly in some way some of his more con convoluted and complicated ones um so yeah that that gets tricky as well gotcha yeah i i feel like i've i've been able to just hand people sleeper and tell them hey it's a noir story about superheroes and then they go there's only 24 issues of this and i said yep that's it i'm sorry and then i get in a fist fight with them um <laughs> so i i can't do anything about it but it's i mean i can that's all I can say that. I don't know. I guess, uh, you know, I, I had a, like one last question, I guess, like what was the thing that got you really hooked on these books? We kind of already talked about it. Um, so I don't know. Do you guys have any final thoughts about like getting like these comic book creators getting you like, I guess, really hooked into comics. They become your favorite people that you're basically going to try anything that they put out at least the first issue. Um, any final thoughts on that? Well, I mean, Mike, I was going to ask you, cause I saw it in your notes. Do you mm-hmm. want to, speak to some of your um backups or or other um you know favorite teams or or authors or things that you oh sure yeah so i i I had listed that like basically i read invincible and it really showed me that there was more to comics than just the big two and ever since then i've always tried everything that ryan otley and robert kirkman have done i mean otley hasn't obviously done a whole lot outside of invincible um i know he's on amazing spider-man and i tried that and i forgot that spider-man is great but i can't keep up with that many comics and so you know (laughs) i just i'll maybe one day read it all in trade or something because i love otley's art and i think going from invincible to spider-man was a natural fit for him like he's born to draw a certain style of superhero comics and i think spider-man fits that i wouldn't say that he would fit like a batman or even an iron man or um thor or something like that or superman i think i mean superman probably because invincible was essentially just superman but um, (laughs) it it works he works really well for for spider-man and i tried number one and i thought it was great but um i just don't have enough room in my life for spider-man on top of x-men and everything else um but the other the other person i pointed out was warren ellis because i'm a sucker and i basically got hooked on warren ellis because of his book that he did called Ruins, which is a book that came out actually in the early 90s, but I found out about it um, right when I was getting into comics, and I I don't remember what turned me on to it other than I think I liked another book that Ellis had done like for... Uh, the ultimate comics run of Mar- that Marvel did for a while, and I think he did like Ultimate Fantastic Four or something. I, I'm probably wrong. Somebody out there, please correct me. But Warren Ellis did like an ultimate book. And I was like, oh, what else has this guy done? And I saw this book called Ruins. And the idea of Ruins is a two-issue miniseries that it came out in 1995. And it's like, what if Marvel superheroes were actually created by like the realistic versions of the things that give them powers, right? Like the Fantastic Four are still the Fantastic Four, but Johnny Blaze is constantly in agony because he's on fire and he Mm. can't turn it off. Or when Reed Richards stretches out, like he has to physically retract himself in order to basically shrink down like a Stretch Armstrong where you kind of stretch it out and it doesn't just retract immediately. It like takes time to go back. What if the Hulk was this massive irradiated flesh 
that constantly healed itself, but was like ever growing like cancer would. It's all these messed up versions of the Marvel superheroes. And for some reason, Marvel published this in the in the 90s because that's where we were. Um, and I read that and I was just like, oh, shit, this is some dark stuff. And then I really started to get into Warren Ellis's um, works, which drove me over to like Avatar Press, where he did some very fucking bizarro Alan Moore-esque stuff that wasn't all good, but like was interesting. And I remember hearing about this book that he had coming out from Avatar called No Hero. And I got really into that because it was super dark and it was another twist on superheroes because for some reason when I got into comics, I really didn't want to read a lot of superhero books. I just wanted to read like twists on superheroes so i was really into superman hmm. red sun i was really into uh, marvel 1602 i was like all of these twists on superheroes but not the actual superhero comics themselves you're which like says the a lot M. Night about- Shyamalan of, of comic book readership yeah and so it's interesting um but yeah the the series ruins is a parody of marvels which is funny enough uh oh. but uh yeah so it's I would highly suggest people check it out because it's crazy. It's a it's really dark and messed up. And if you're into that, you know, go for it. But or Warren Ellis basically got me hooked on like really out there stuff, and I got into his Global Frequency and Orbital and a bunch <laughs> of other independent books. And I, you know, I I read started reading The Authority, and I finally read or not The Authority. I finally read Planetary recently, like in the last year. And I really want to get into Stormwatch. I know Nick, you've got a lot to say about that. And The Authority is also something I want to try that Ellis worked on as well as a handful of other creators. So, um, yeah, I, it's all that stuff. I. I I'm still digging back through, but Warren Ellis is my go-to. Like, I know he's doing something weird. I might as well read it, which is why I'm just, I'm collecting the issues of trees that are coming out, but I haven't read any of them yet because I want to reread the whole series because it's been coming out for so long. So, yeah, you know, I got a lot of feelings about Warren Ellis, and I both love and hate him sometimes. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys had any other questions for me because I will just rant for another 10 minutes if you'd like, but... uh <laughs> I think I think uh, we can probably wrap the show up here. Um, you can you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow T at Portrait of Madam X, spelled the cool French way. You can follow Nick at Death Star Plans. You can follow me at Mike Rappin, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast, where we post comic news and art and sass and all sorts of other things when I get a chance to jump on Twitter. This show is powered by fans like you on Patreon. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash ircbpodcast. Join now for access to exclusive audio, articles, previews of the IRCB schedule, early access to our top of my pile posts, and more. We also have a Goodreads group, which is a lovely community of comic friends. You could join our yearly reading challenge and comment on our weekly threads. Check it out at ircbpodcast.com slash goodreads. Um, and speaking of ircbpodcast.com, check it out for our pronunciation guide where we're definitely going to add Maria Yevit, love it, something. I'm going to ask her. Yevit, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Discord servers on there. We have our zines, merch, everything else, ircb, ircbpodcast.com. If you haven't already, please rate and review our show. Five stars would be fantastic over on iTunes and beyond. And we will read your review on the next episode. Please email the show with what you've been reading, recipes, corrections. Tell me about how I'm wrong for not having read Old Man Logan. You can do that over at ircbpodcast at gmail.com. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all the music for our show. We can't thank them enough for letting us use their music. Xander is the coolest guy, the friendliest guy, the huggiest guy. 
He's also a wizard and edits the show. Thank you, Xander, for your time. And I'm going to say thank you to Tia and Nick and all you wonderful listeners out there and all the people out on the Discord who have conversations with us about The Mandalorian because we're constantly talking about it. Uh, thank you guys for listening to the show and being amazing fans. And until next time, comics are good and so are you. Thank you.